What's up, everybody? How are you guys doing? It's good to see you. I just want to say, I, I really missed you guys. Aw, I know. I really did. No, I really, I really missed you guys this summer, but I, I will say I am so thankful for the two months of rest that my wife and I got. Uh, for those of you who are new, by the way, I've, I feel like half of you in the room I don't even know, and so I just want to say, uh, if this is your first time at 710, just welcome. We're so glad that you're here. If this is the first and last time that you come, we're glad that you're here, and we just pray that Jesus spoke to you tonight. Uh, if you plan to be part of our kind of family and just this community moving forward the rest of the year, uh, I'd love to talk to you after the service or Jade. Um, I, I don't argue that this is the, the best ministry there ever is, the most impressive, but I just really feel like... Man, we just, I've just been so thankful. Like, we just have a really sweet, humble family, and it's just been such a gift. So um, I just want to say thank you for being here. And I especially know uh, for many of you, walking into a room with this many people, not knowing anything is really hard. So for no one else to say it, good job. <laughs> Way to show up. I'm glad that you guys are here. And um, yeah, like Jade said, I want to I highlight a couple things really quick. Um, as I, I don't know, like... I feel like sometimes uh, when we think about vision for ministries and all that stuff, I, I go back and forth between like, man, this is really what, what I want and what I want to see God do. And then on the other hand, just being really open-handed with like, Lord, like what do you want this ministry to be characterized by this year? And I feel like last year, God gave me the word like family to pray for. So like typically God doesn't like give me like mission statements like for our ministry, but he just gives me words to pray into. And then he just starts like weaving the ministry around those words. And so last year, I felt like God gave us the word family of like, we just want to be a culture of love. We don't want just to be another young adults ministry to attend to, to be in a crowd, but we really want to be the family of God that loves one another, that's committed to one another, that's with each other in the good and the hard. And so, um, and I really feel like God answered that last year. And so especially I mean, I'm looking at Josue over there, our partnership with uh, Redemption West Mesa Young Adults, and just how they've just been so integrated into the life of this family. We had to, got to have our second, uh, yeah, annual worship night with them, which was great. And uh, so that's just really great. And I felt like uh, moving into this year, I feel like there's three words that God just has given Jade and I to, pray, to, to kind of pray for and to lean into. Uh, the, the first one is unity. Like, I just feel like God, like, it's easy to unify, but it's not always easy to unify around Jesus, you know? And I, so, I mean, I don't care. I really, guys, you have to believe me. I do not care how impressive this ministry is, but I want us to be a community that is unified around Jesus. And so I feel like God gave me that word. And then the two other words were prayer and blessing. Like, I really believe that, like, prayer is a direct measurement of how dependent we are on Jesus and how much we believe we actually need him. And so I'm inviting you to come along with me on a journey to learn to pray and just to like, like, Lord, would you just meet us here? Like, would you, would you, only you can raise the dead to life. Only you can uh, save the lost. Only you can take us into deeper uh, layers and levels of relationship with you. And only you can work through us to reach the community around us. And so I feel like prayer, and so I, this is kind of a little thing. I pray every single Tuesday from 12.30 to 1.30. So if you guys have a lunch break or if you want to, or you just don't work or whatever you do on Tuesdays, uh, I know not everybody can make it, but if you want to come pray with me and just pray, uh, to open invite Tuesdays from 12.30 to 1.30, you are more than welcome to come join. And then the last thing, uh, I really want us to be a blessing this year. Um, like God has saved us and God has chosen us to be his people and we are blessed 
to be a blessing in the world. And uh, so one of the things that we're going to kind of do throughout this whole year is each month we're going to have like a community blessed rhythm, and, and Jay talked about that. Just like we want to be in a rhythm of just like giving. Like God is constantly pouring his blessing and giving to us, and we just need to be channels that, that extend that love and blessing towards others. And so, so this, like, like Jade said this month, um, I, let's just pack the back of this room with a bunch of shoes. Like if I could just challenge each of, each of you to bring a pair of shoes, bring them. Um, and let's just be honest, we live in like a culture right now, it's like sneakerhead culture, it's like we, a bunch of young adults spending hundreds of dollars on shoes and money we don't have. And uh, I believe God calls us to give our best at cost to ourselves. And so maybe it's a nice pair of shoes you have and you get to be a blessing. I would love to see um, those who are vulnerable and poor in our community wearing shoes that we got to provide for them all in the name of Jesus. Does that sound good? So that's just a small window into my heart before we kind of jump into the series tonight. So all that to say, um, yeah, so tonight we are starting a series in the book of Jonah. Woo! All right, Jonah. Uh, we're calling this series uh, Running Away, and uh, typically we've started seven, ten years with like a worship night, and I just felt like, guys, I just want to get rooted in God's word right away. And uh, last year we actually never worked fully through a book of the Bible. We had a lot of great series, of course, all rooted within scripture, but I just felt like God in particular was just like, hey, like for you, Corey, and for this ministry, like hold no punches back, like Let's just get rooted in God's word, and let's get rooted in God's purpose. And so uh, Jonah, Jonah is an incredible book, and I just want to say this from like personal testimony. I've been, um, a lot of my prep and just kind of like personal devotion has just been sitting in this book, but also reading Tim Keller's Rediscovering Jonah book, which if you've read that book, you know it's incredible. Uh, if you don't own it, you don't need to buy it because a lot of the stuff that I get to share with you is from that. And, uh, but also, like, I feel like as I've been just like, honestly on my knees with the Lord and just saying, like, God, what do you have for this ministry? I feel like uh, God has been bringing me to this book. And uh, for many of us, I know not everybody's a Christian in the room, and so when I say Jonah, you're like, you know, I know, hey, Jonah, there's Jonah. Like, I know Jonah, I know a Jonah, but I don't know the book of Jonah, and you have no idea, like, what we're even talking about, and I'm excited for you to hear. Man, if you get to hear this story for the first time, that is going to be a big blessing. But for many of you in the room, if you're like me, uh, Jonah's a very familiar book, and we're very familiar with its story, but I think oftentimes we're actually unfamiliar with what God's actually trying to accomplish in that book by the Holy Spirit to us. And uh, so often, in order to make this uh, book, like, relevant or simple, we just kind of water it down to, like, you know, is in the book with, that, like, that big fish, and he swallows a man, and, like, this is why I can't do Christianity anyway, because it has weird stuff, and I don't even believe that stuff. Um, but we just kind of stripped the story, the story down. Uh, my wife and I, we were reading... Uh, the, like, the Jesus Storybook Bible, and we were reading it to our four-month-old daughter, which, by the way, she's doing great. Um, thanks for your prayers. Um, but we read the book of uh, Jonah to her the other day, not this one, but like the, the, the kid's version, and uh, it completely left the last chapter of the book out. And so for whatever reason, this, the, the, there's just kind of been this like choice and this like watering down of this book, but one of the things that you're going to see right off the bat in this whole series is that oftentimes... God's own people can become God's biggest obstacle to his purpose in the world. I want to say that again. What the book of Jonah is going to show us that oftentimes God's own people can become God's biggest obstacle to his purpose in the world. 
which I think is really good because oftentimes as Christians, we point the finger and go, like, that's the problem. Like, that's why we can't, you know, have, you know, the way of Jesus and the kingdom and his values out in the world is because of them. We use them language. And what the book of Jonah goes is goes, the biggest problem in the world is often God's very own people. And so we're starting in this series, and I'm just going to say this book's going to hit our spiritual apathy, our half-heartedness. It's going to hit our lack of love, our, our us-versus-them mentality. It's going to, I'm just going to warn you, it's going to really challenge you. Like, when Jesus said, love your enemies, like, he really meant it. And this book's going to reveal, like, I, I just don't have that love, Jesus. And so it's going to make us prayerful to go, like, Jesus, I just need you to create, like, I literally sat in the prayer space the other day, I was like, God... I was struggling to love in a situation. I was like, I don't have the love. Like, actually, I have the opposite of love. I have hatred right now. I was like, I need you to show up. Like, I need your strength. And the book of Jonah is going to be a mirror. It's going to empower us, and it's going to show us the beauty of Jesus. So I'm really excited. You guys, you guys are ready for that? Is that okay? Okay. All right. Let's, why don't you guys pray with me, and let's ask for the Holy Spirit to come, and then uh, we'll jump into uh, what God has for us tonight. Lord Jesus, uh, we love you. And um, God, I love singing those words that you are faithful. And so Lord, all of our um, pursuits, all of our obedience, all of our desires, God, um, Lord, your purpose for our lives, it's ultimately all rooted in your faithfulness. And Lord, I love that when we remain, uh, when we are unfaithful, God, you always prove yourself to be faithful. And so Lord, I pray that we would not be people who deny you, but I pray that we would uh, be people who walk with you. And Lord, I, I want to pray for, um, God, the person in the room who does not know you. Uh, Lord, I just pray that, um, that your comforting, loving, welcoming presence would just begin to draw that person. Lord, I know uh, many of us come in the room with anxieties and confusion and questions about the future. And so, Lord, uh, I believe even in, though, in that, Lord, you have something to say. Lord, uh, many of us uh, feel hard-hearted and we just need a soft heart. And so, Spirit, we ask that you would do that. And Jesus, uh, we love your word, and we're so thankful for you. Equip us to follow you. I pray this all in your name. Amen. Uh, so yeah, if you have your Bibles, open up to Jonah chapter 1. We are going to be in a lot of verses. We have the first three verses tonight. So we're going to work through the first three verses. Um, and let me just start by asking you a question. So it's the start of the year. Uh, at least the seven ten year, we're mid-year, but we're, uh, many of you are going into school, like you're going into like a new season uh, or a new year at school, and one of the things that I believe, because this is how God interacts with me, and I see him interacting with my brothers and sisters around me, is God is always calling his children to something. I believe he's calling us all together as a community to something, like that's like, that's very uh, obvious. We call it, like, the general call for all of Christians to love God and love our neighbor. Like, if you're ever confused about your call, that is our call as Christians. But what I love about Jesus is he's personal. And he's always speaking individually and personally to you. And he's always calling you to something. And so I just want to ask you a very simple question. You're here, the start of the 710 year. What is God calling you to do? Let it sit there for a second. In this season right now, as you've been listening to God's voice, what is God calling you to do? For some of you in the room tonight, uh, God may be calling you to step into something that you're confused or scared about. Um, and sometimes God's call isn't about going forward. Maybe God's actually, you, actually asking you to step out of something. 
Uh, maybe some of you in the room, um, God's actually not calling you to do anything. What he's calling you to do is to wait and trust. I feel like that's in me and my family and like what like our anxieties and the things that we're praying about is like wait and trust. I feel like that's what God's calling me to. Maybe that's what God's calling you to. Um, maybe God's calling you to go forward in faith. He's like said, like, listen, I've, I've communicated enough. I'm not going to communicate everything, but I want you to take a step forward in faith. Maybe God's calling you to confess something in this season, like right off the bat, like there's something in your life that he's calling you to confess to, and you're here tonight, and you like, you know. Maybe he's calling you to confront something in you or others. The point in all of this is God is always speaking and calling us to something. And maybe you're a, a, not even a follower of Jesus in the room, and you're like, I'm not a Christian, so that doesn't apply to me. Maybe you feel the prompting of God calling you to be here and the reason he's calling you to be here is because he actually wants to maybe reveal something and you're in this kind of like, all right, where does God have me? Maybe that, that's what God's calling you to do. Here's what I've noticed. Whenever God calls his children to things, and especially in my life and especially in those that I know, God calls us to confusing things. Can I say an amen? Confusing things. Things that just like absolutely don't make sense. You go like, God, I have no idea why you're asking me to do that. Or maybe you go, God, I know exactly why you're asking me to do that. And it's still confusing. And what we're going to see as we kind of jump into the story of Jonah is we're going to see that God does actually call his people to do confusing things. And then uh, very uh, clearly kind of an overview, we're going to see specifically two lessons about confusing calls. When God gives us confusing calls or a confusing call, we're going to have two lessons about that. And then we're going to see that we have two choices when God actually calls us to do something confusing. Make sense? Okay, let's jump in. Jonah chapter one, let's read the first two verses. So the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. Okay, so like I said, many of you may not be familiar, but let me introduce you to a couple of these characters. So there's Jonah. Jonah is the, uh, he's actually the secondary character in this story because the main character is God. Uh, but the whole book is fo focusing on this person, Jonah. Jonah is a prophet. And if you're new maybe to the scriptures, a prophet isn't just somebody who tells the future. Uh, actually, in the scriptures, uh, a prophet, it's kind of like a watchdog. Like a, they use the like, you guys in the Bible Project? How many of you? So, they, so Tim Mackey uses the language of a prophet is like a covenant watchdog. So like God has called these people and they are constantly speaking to uh, the people of God on behalf of God. So it's kind of like the human mouthpiece of God in uh, the nation of Israel. So Jonah was uh, one of those prophets. And uh, he's called to specifically, and this is where things get interesting, he's called to actually not go and prophesy and preach the word of the Lord to God's own people, but he's actually a prophet that's called to go to Nineveh. He's called to go to the enemies of God. So if you're, again, if you're new, so Nineveh was the capital city of Assyria. Uh, and I can't, if you don't get this off the bat, the whole thing's not gonna seem that, like that big of a deal, but Assyria was literally Israel's most hated enemy. They were cruel and they were violent, and in 720 B.C., uh, they literally wiped Israel completely off the map. They were violent, they were oppressive, and we'll get more to that in a little bit. And, and Jonah's call was to go and preach repentance to Nineveh. Now when we read that, it sounds like, oh, Noah's go like, Jonah's gonna go and he's, like, he's, gonna confront, he's gonna confront Nineveh for how evil they are. But the reason that Jonah knows that God wants 
him to go preach repentance because on the other side of repentance, what's the goal of repentance? Grace. So Jonah goes, okay, I'm called to go preach repentance, which means God wants to give grace to my enemies and to our enemies as the people of God. So how does Jonah respond? Look at verse three. Just like us, but Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port, and after paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Now, I want to give you a, a, a little bit of a map just to show you how ridiculous this is. So God's like, hey, Jonah, you know, go to Nineveh, preach repentance. And so uh, look where he goes. It's 550 miles to Nineveh. That's like, I don't know, somewhere in Northern California. He goes 2,500 miles to Tarshish. Isn't this just a great picture of what we love to do with the Lord in our hearts? I actually, like, I was sitting in my office and I was uh, looking at how many miles New York was from here. So New York is 2,500 miles from where we are. And it's not like they were, like, taking Southwest Airlines, you know, with two free checked bags to Tarshish. Like, he literally had to walk and, like, he had to go down to Joppa, he had to get on the ship, and he just absolutely takes off because you know why? He does not want to do it. And, uh, and I think there's a few reasons why this is confusing to Jonah. And I think there are reasons that we can relate with. Uh, the first reason I think Jonah ran away is because the call that God gave him was not only confusing, but it was dangerous. Right? This is obvious, but uh, like I said, Nineveh was horrifically cruel. I'm not going to share a bunch of this, but just to give you a window into how evil these people were, uh, typically what they would do when they conquered enemies is they would skin them alive, and then they would put the skin on city walls to like show off whatever that is. I don't even know, like their victory. So they'd skin people alive. That was a common practice. They'd pull people's tongues out. Uh, they would make family, family members carry their dead family members on elevated poles above them when they conquered them. And I just, like, I can't even think about this with my family, but just think about how horrific that would be if that were you. Uh, to add it all up, they, they burned kids alive. Um, they, I read something about what the Assyrians did, was they would literally cut off, like soldiers would cut off every single limb except an arm so that they could like shake their enemies' hands like as they went by. And so, you know, we look at Jonah and we're like, man, how could you run away? But then you go, oh, I get it. That's dangerous. And it may not be, my guess is God's not calling you to people who are skinning people alive. My guess that's not, but maybe. But maybe for you, the call that God's given you, uh, maybe it has some danger in it. Maybe the reason you're so hesitant and maybe you're tempted to run away from the call that God has given you, whatever it is, you have to process it, is because maybe there's something that what God's asking you to do threatens something in your life. Maybe it threatens your money. Maybe there's some sort of like comfort or security that it threatens. Maybe it threatens your time. And you're looking at what God asks you to do and you go, that's dangerous to this in my life. Maybe it's a relationship. It's dangerous to a relationship in your life. So we have that too. The second thing we see uh, is that one, yes, it, it was a dangerous call. That's relatable. But it was also just really difficult. Like the Ninevites would never listen to Jonah. Assyria was way bigger than Israel. They were way more powerful. They were way more cruel. Um, 
just to show you, like, to give a little bit of an example of how like, silly this would seem to Jonah, is uh, imagine like, a Jewish rabbi going into Nazi Germany telling all the Nazis to repent. You're like, no way. It's like, you show, as soon as you show up, you're done. So Jonah's looking at his call and is going like, God, Nineveh is never going to listen to me. They're cruel. They're horrific. But we do the same thing. Maybe God's call to you, there's, there's some sort of difficulty where you just go, God, I can't, I can't do it. That's too hard. I have that. I remember when God first called me to ministry, I was like, nope, mm-mm. I can't do that. Heck, I can't get in front of a group of people and talk, Lord. You want me to get in front of a group of people and talk about you? But we have that. Whatever it is, and it may seem small, it may seem, it may seem big, but God's call often accompanies difficulty, so that makes sense. Uh, and here's the, this, I love this one. Uh, I think there was uh, actually a lot of doubt for Jonah. And here's why. The prophet Nahum, another prophet of the people of God, a few years earlier, literally, you can go read it in the scriptures, because of the sake of time, I don't have time, but a few years earlier, he prophesied that God would destroy Nineveh for its evil. So Jonah's like listening to the prophets, he's listening to the scriptures, and he's, he's literally hearing God's like prophet say, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to crush Nineveh. I'm going to punish Nineveh for its evil. And then here you are, God, showing up to my life and asking me to go preach grace to them. In order for me to do, God, what you want me to do, you'd actually have to compromise your own word. It was a theological puzzle. Jonah, just, it just did not make sense. It was confusing. And maybe for you, there's doubt in your call. You're like, God, I don't even understand. Like, this is just confusing to me. I have doubt in me. I have doubt in the situation. This doesn't even seem like you. So when you add it all up, it's really a confusing call that God gives Jonah, isn't it? All right, so here's, uh, I want to specifically, there's two things, when I was kind of sitting in this, and I was just like, all right, Lord, like, what do you want, what do you want me to share about this? I feel like there's two things that we learn from uh, when God calls us to confusing things. And here's the first lesson, so if you take notes, I'd encourage you to write them down. Uh, here it is. Just because you can't see a good reason to obey God doesn't mean you have permission to disobey. I want to say that again. Just because you can't see a good reason to obey God doesn't mean you have permission to disobey. Now, let's just be honest. We all do this. We, uh, God calls us to do something, and we go, there, I don't, there's no good reason for that. And we start adding up the reasons, and we start going like, nope. Because, uh, because, that I just, because, God, I don't understand why you would call me to be single the rest of my life. God, just because I, I don't understand why you would call me to give that money. God, I have no idea why you would call me to forgive them. I have no idea why you would call me to go there. God, I have no idea. And we start, we, we start in our doubt, we start doing this. But what the danger of it is, oftentimes we can use our doubt to justify disobedience. And I think one of the things that uh, this story shows us in just God's very own call to Jonah is that doubt doesn't justify disobedience. And just because you don't see a way doesn't mean you have a reason to run away. I want to say that again. Just because you don't see a way doesn't mean you have a reason to run away. We see this in our culture. You guys think about this in our culture right now. What's one of the biggest knocks on Christianity? That just doesn't make sense. It's so old school. And then we just go, okay, well, then I don't have permission to disobey. And what it ultimately is, it's Adam and Eve in the garden. What do they go? God says, hey, you can eat from any tree in the garden, 
Just don't eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And what is the temptation? That's not a good enough reason. Like God's holding out on you. God's lying to you. God doesn't, God's actually like, he's, he, he doesn't want you, he's threatened by you. And I think we have to really sit with that. That just because we don't have a why doesn't mean we get a buy. And here's what I mean by that. So many of you, and what God's asking you to do in this season, you're asking why. Whether you're measuring it by your own life or whether you're measuring it by the situation or the resources or whatever it might be, our whys does not give us a buy. It does not give us an off. It's okay. Hey, you don't have to obey. And so that's one of the things I think right off the bat that when God calls us to confusing things, just because we don't see a good reason to obey him doesn't mean that we have permission to disobey. The second thing that we see, and this, is a, this one's probably encouraging but also haunting in a lot of ways, is that uh, confusing calls are often customized for our weaknesses and deficiencies. When God calls us to confusing things in your life, whatever it may be, oftentimes they're customized for our weaknesses and deficiencies. Here's what I mean by that. What's confusing in this story is not necessarily the call that God told Jonah to go to Nineveh. That may seem confusing, but what's actually the most confusing is the person that God called to do it. The call isn't confusing. The person that God asked to go actually fulfill it didn't make any sense. That was what was confusing. Because in 2 Kings chapter 14, this is actually where Jonah shows up in the scriptures, he's depicted as a patriotic nationalist. And what that means is, I don't have time to go into it, but uh, Jonah is like, he's seen in that, that chapter of being like committed to like military extension for the power of Israel. Like the picture of Jonah in that chapter is like he wants to extend the power and influence of the nation of Israel. He was more committed to his country than the purposes of God, which that's a whole other sermon in and of its own. But what, what, what the scripture shows us is that Jonah was the wrong man for the job. Like, if you were to, like, draft, all right, who, God, who are you going to choose to fulfill this mission? Is it Kendrick? Is it Jade? Is it Eddie? Because they're pretty, like, man, I can see they're really trying to follow Jesus. And God goes, no, I want the person who's hard-hearted towards them to go. See, I think underneath all the danger, difficulty, doubt, I think that was all there in Jonah's life. Absolutely. But you know why I think ultimately Jonah didn't want to go? Is because he knew God wanted to transform his heart by going. So here's the encouraging thing. I believe this applies to our sin, and I believe it applies to our gifts. And here's what I mean. I think oftentimes, whatever God is calling you to in your life, he's not just seeking the good of those that he's calling you to love, but he's trying to actually transform you in the process. He goes, you have weaknesses, you have deficiencies, you have things in you that need to be dealt with, and guess how I'm going to deal with it? I'm going to throw you into a call that's going to highlight them like crazy so that you can be transformed. I remember when I... So one of the first, uh, I remember I went into college with, I, I was a communications major and I minored in biblical studies. And um, uh, yeah, I was minoring in biblical studies. And I did, I did not want to go into ministry because honestly, I, and, and I'm, this is not just like, oh, Corey, that's, you know, I can relate with you. Like it's, it's a heart problem that God has dealt with me over the years. But I have, and it's, I'm just going to say it in front of all of you, I have a fear of failure that's deep-rooted in my heart 
and a fear of man. Like what people think about me, like affects me, and it's something that I've worked through, I've prayed through, I've made prayer cards. Guess what the best way that God has ever used and done things in my life to transform that? He sticks me in front of people where a bunch of different people have a a bunch of different thoughts about what I do. Some people have called me boring. Some people have called me like, I don't need to go into all the stories. Guess Guess how God has transformed the fear of man in my heart? By calling me to go do things in front of people. Guess how God has transformed a fear of failure in my life? It's not completely going away. He, he called me into ministry at like 22. Well, I had no idea what the heck I was doing. And I still don't know what I'm doing. And I still fail all the time. But by the very call, hey, Corey, go. Love these people. Commit to them. Pray for them. Serve them. Guess what he's doing? He's, he's cust- he customized a call for my weaknesses and deficiencies. And God's doing the same thing in your life. The very thing that God might be calling you to do, you go, God, there's no way I can do it. I'm deficient. And God goes, perfect. You're the perfect candidate then. Write this down. Calls that reveal your weakness have the greatest potential to show off God's greatness in your life. Calls that reveal your weakness have the greatest potential to show off God's greatness in your life. If you want God to be great in your life, let let him get a hold of the weak things in your life. And then say, God, do whatever you want with them. He'll show up. And what I love about all of this is what seems to be a confusing call is actually a brilliant call. It's confusing on the, on the front of it. Like, that doesn't make sense. But when you get into God's mind and you read the story, you're like, you know why it's brilliant? Because in one call, God is seeking to transform Nineveh, those who don't know him, and he's seeking to transform Jonah. And because we have this book, his own people. Isn't God brilliant? So we have to trust him. I hope that's encouraging to you. All right, so God calls us to confusing things. We see that even if we don't have reasons uh, to follow, it doesn't give us permission to disobey. We see that God's call are often customized for our weaknesses and deficiencies. Um, but that still gives us, uh, that still puts us in a place of like, well, what do we actually do? Like, okay, those are great lessons. That's encouraging. Um, I, you know, I wrote that down in my notebook. But this may seem obvious, but when God calls you to confusing things, there's only two options. You can either trust or you can turn. You can either trust, which is faith, you can respond to God's call in faith, or you can turn and run away in unbelief. And so I just want to say a brief word on both, and I want to talk about uh, what happens when we turn. Because in this story, we actually see when we turn from God and when we run away from his presence or when we run away from his call, uh, there's specifically three things that can happen. And uh, I want to share these things with you. And literally, like, there's so much just jewels just found in some of these phrases. So the first thing that we see in verse 3 that is that when Jonah ran away from the Lord, in verse 3 it says, he found a ship. No duh. He found a ship. Here's the lesson behind that. When you are running away from the Lord, there will always be a ship ready to take you. When you are running away from the Lord, there will always be a ship ready to take you. Listen, in your life, there will always be something available and something accessible for you to run away. The enemy's really smart. He goes, oh, this, is, this ship's beautiful. Why don't you just get on board? There's one right here. All you have to do is get on. Right? You guys know it's in your own life. 
It's the thing that you turn to every single time you feel pressure or like God's like he's moving in on you. What do you do? The ship may be as simple as Instagram on your phone and you just veg out and zone out and you just scroll. You may turn on Netflix. You may turn to pornography. You may turn to a relationship. You may turn to sports. You could turn to all sorts of things. And they could even be good things that God's given, but we make them ultimate things. But whenever we seek to run away from the Lord, there will always be a ship literally ready to take you at any moment. So here's my question for you. What ship are you tempted to board tonight? Or this season or this year? What ship are you tempted to get on and run away? If you can name the ship, it'll help you know that when it arrives, it's not time to get on. So we see that, uh, yeah, when we run away from the Lord, there will always be a ship ready to take us. The second thing that we see, it's interesting in verse three, it just seems like a throwaway word, but it says that he went down to Joppa. So like it says, Jonah went down to Joppa to take a ship. Now, um, what's fascinating is in chapter one, this is actually the first of four times that the author will use the word down. It just says Noah, or Noah's a different character. Jonah, Jonah went down. And then you'll see next week when I preach, it said Jonah went down. And then he went down under the ship. And then he went down... Down, 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 down. What's the author trying to say? Here it is. When you are running away from the Lord, the direction is always down. When you are running away from the Lord, the direction is always down. No matter how peaceful the the seas may seem or how attractive the ship looks, we run away from the Lord. Why? To go up. What? To find life. To find joy. To find purpose. To find fulfillment. But what scripture is trying to say, hey, when you run away from God and what he's calling you to do, you just go down into death. You may actually not die, but you're dying inside. And you go down and down and down and down and down. And so what, I think what Jonah is trying to say is don't be deceived about what direction you're heading when we refuse God's call in our life. The last thing that I want to say really quick before we wrap up is it says in verse three, also that after paying the fare, Jonah boarded the ship. Here's what's so fascinating. Uh, When you are running away from the Lord, there is always a fare to pay. There is always a cost. Notice, Jonah paid the full fare, and in the end, he doesn't get to where he's going. Jonah paid the full fare. It cost him to get on the ship. And what he paid, all the cost, everything that he poured himself out to, he actually never gets to where he's going in the end. And when when we run away from the Lord, you're never getting to where you want to go, are you? See, some of you, like abandoning God's voice, abandoning his word, or maybe you're just like in a season of apathy, like it's like all that cost, like it's costing you. It may may be actually costing you. Maybe some of you are actually spending money to get away from God. I don't know. But a life outside of God's will, a life outside of God's ways always costs you. And that cost, yes, it's a cost and it may seem great and it may seem like, man, it promises an awesome destination. But guys, I'm telling you, tell me if I'm not wrong, is it actually getting you there? Some of you are avoiding God's call in your life right now. And God's saying, listen, Joy, like it's costing you enough already. Like when are you gonna tap out and go, God, okay, I'll go. And we'll see God always gets there, but there's always a cost to pay. And I think we need to measure that. Yes, there's a cost to following Jesus, but his cost 
is yes, give up your life, but to find that you'll, that you'll live. And so we see that when we have a call, we can either turn or we can trust. And so as we kind of conclude here, I want to say a word about trusting God in our call. I, I think at the end of the day, Jonah's deepest problem, because you may go like, all right, well, what was Jonah's deal? What's our problem? And I think this is really getting at the heart of like where I think God wants to poke. I think Jonah was like you or me. He may have been in his 20s or 30s when this actually was written, or 40s, or who knows how old he was. But like you and like me, what do we do as 20-somethings or even early 30s? We dream. Do we not? We have a vision for our life. We picture something. And we, what would we do? We spend the rest of our lives trying to accomplish that vision. So Jonah was the same as you and as me. He grew up, and I think he's like, man, like I felt called to be a prophet. He's like, oh, this is going to be so great. I'm going to, man, I have this deep sense of God's call, and uh, I get to be a prophet to my own people. And he had this vision of like this, his life played out, and he's like serving God's people, and it's just great, and all this stuff. But what Jonah ran into is his vision for his life was not God's vision for his life. And I think it's the same for us. We end up, we come into God's presence and we end up having competing visions. Do we not? It's the anytime we go, oh, okay, Lord, you know. It's because we have a vision for our life. And guess what? We, we are all committed to our good above all else. Aren't we? Every, every decision you make is ultimately, even if it's a hard one, it's because you have a vision of what, where goodness is found. And so you even make, some of you make bad, bad decisions to go there, some of you make good decisions, but we all have a vision. And sometimes at some point in our life, that vision gets in a crossroads with God's vision. And what I want to offer you tonight and what Jesus is offering you is, he's saying, listen, you think your vision for your life is huge and grand and beautiful but God's going, it's really small. And he goes, my vision for your life, whatever I'm calling you to, it may seem small, but I'm telling you, it's huge. Jonah, I'm on a mission to reconcile the nations to myself. You wanna be a part of it? No, God, I'd rather just hang out in Israel. Is that cool? I got my prophet friends. You see how big the vision is? And Jonah, Jonah's, he was mis, he didn't even understand the size of his compared to what God wanted him to do. So the invitation, the invitation to trust is an invitation to swap out your story from the center of your life and my story to put God's story at the center of our lives. I want to say that again. The invitation from Jesus tonight is saying, hey, that little small story you have, let's swap it out for what I have for you. So some of you go, well, what is God's story for my life? What does he want? And he goes, what am I asking you to do? How do you fulfill God's vision and the call? You listen and you obey. Faithfulness in the small calls is how you fulfill the big calls in your life. And when Jesus went to the cross, when he died for sin, when he rose from the dead, when he ascended to the right hand of God, what he said is, my vision has been accomplished, now come join and so the call tonight is saying, I, I just want to say, whatever God's doing in your life, whatever he's calling you to do, I trust that the Holy Spirit's at work. I just want you to say, pay attention to that voice and trust him. Don't turn and let's obey. Can we be a community that's shaped by obedience to Jesus? It's the best way. Hard, but good. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. 
And uh, God, we're so, we're so thankful, Lord, that you are good and you are gracious. And Lord, I'm excited for the rest of the story, Lord, how you pursue us when we run. And so, uh, Lord, tonight, I pray that we would, uh, if we're running, that we'd run back to you. God, I'm praying that if we're doubting, we'd trust you. I'm praying that if we feel weak, we would know that you make up for weakness by your strength. It's in our weakness you are strong. God, if we're struggling with sin, I pray that we would find forgiveness. God, if we feel like death, I, would, I pray that we would expend, uh, exchange it for your life tonight, Lord. Thank you for being committed to us. God, thank you for being good. God, thank you for calling us into this grand, beautiful vision for what you're doing in the world. Help us to trust you, Lord. And Lord, as we sing the rest of these songs tonight, we're gonna be continuing to sing about faithfulness and your faithfulness. And Lord, uh, we can't trust in you if you're not faithful. And so, Lord, as we sing tonight, may we sing and remind ourselves that you are one who is worthy of trust. And so I just want to give about 30 seconds in the next few moments, and I just want you to sit with the Holy Spirit and the voice of Jesus, and um, I just want you to, I just want you to sit with, what is God calling you to do? So I want you to sit there for a few moments. What is, what is God calling you to do in this season? And for the next few moments, I just want you to tell God how you feel about that. You can be honest if it makes you angry or mad or fearful. Just tell him how that makes you feel.